Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, Distant Manager Basics for Directs, Part 2. Here we go. Okay, now, our next point. It's amazing to me how few people do this. If you're co-located with your boss and your boss wants to see what you're working on, she can just say, hey, hey, show me that uh, the draft of the that proposal you're working on. And it, literally, you just reach down to your desk and you just hand the, you hand the document to her. But if you're remote, that opportunity doesn't exist. And so the way to do that is make those documents available. Take an extra step, get some shared space on there. There's a lot of technology. To, if you're working for a large company, there's probably shared document spaces out there. But make your work, the work you're working on, whether it's in draft form or not, make that available to your boss. Again, it's another way to share with your boss that you're working on his or her priorities. Yes, exactly. Folks, whether it's asked for or not, you got to make your work product documents available to your boss. Look, we're just making it easy here. We recommend that bosses with remote directs ask for their work to be available on a shared drive or some other method of sharing it, right? And look, folks, it isn't about the boss's ability to check up on what you're doing. It's about the boss's ability to see what the direct is doing. It's a subtle difference. It's hard to, to, to make that distinction. Some people might feel it's a, a distinction without a difference. It's a bit like, you know, is the glass half empty or half full? Some of us think the glass is half empty in, in our lives. And so we're giving the boss, our boss the ability to check up on what we're doing in order to find fault. We're encouraging you to think of the glass as being half full. And we're thinking that your boss, you want your boss to see your good work. There's nothing wrong with your boss being able to see where you are on something. If you're behind, why are you worried that your boss is going to see it? Stop worrying about your boss seeing you being behind and get busy on getting ahead of schedule. Even if your boss is the picky type, they can pick on an absence of work or they can pick on work that they see. It's better than for, for them to be picking on work that you've done. And frankly, most bosses with distant directs, if they can't see your work, they assume that when you tell them it's fine or it's going well, there's a part of them that assumes that's a little bit of air cover for you and you're not sharing it. If your boss says, hey, how, how is Project X going? And you say, I'll send you what I've got right now, but let me give you a quick update. And while they're talking to you, you've emailed them something. Even if you're 10% behind, that sends a huge message to your boss of you're not afraid of being uh, being checked on on your work and you're not afraid of being behind a little bit. I mean, I can only assume that if you're afraid of being behind if you don't have a plan for getting ahead or if it's really, really in bad shape. So find a shared drive, tell your boss where he or she can find your stuff at any time. Most companies, frankly, demand this, but the opposite of this is you saying, look, it's on my laptop. I'll try to leave my laptop on guys, but just in terms of hard drive life, it may shut down in the middle of the night when you guys are at work. So, so I just apologize for that. No, get your stuff off of your laptop, copy it somewhere into the cloud or some corporate server where people can, can do it. I mean, it, it's not hard to set up all kinds of backup systems. Um, I'm going to say the word Dropbox, and of course, every IT corporate person is going to choke on that and go, no, you can't do that. It's not encrypted, all that sort of stuff. Not secure. Yeah. It's just as easy as copying your boss on some emails that are important. If you say, hey, I'll send an email to that vendor and I'll find out what the issue is, send a, send a copy to your boss. If If you're uncomfortable with the vendor perceiving that you're letting your boss know, 
line copy your boss. As long as you do it for the boss's benefit, just to let him know the email went out. And if your boss starts complaining about it, you can do one of two things. You can stop doing that and start having a weekly update where you let him know that those things have been done. Or you can uh, tell your boss, look, I'll be happy to tell you how to set up a rule so that stuff that's blind copied from me to you goes into a folder for me that you can check whenever you want, um, just so that you have records of I'm doing what I'm doing. And you might think, gee, do I need to help my boss establish records of what I'm doing? It would help if you were distant, okay? Make your work available so they can check, preferably on a drive that they can get to without without asking you. Uh, if they have to ask you, then your work is not available. And look, if your boss needs an update three minutes before a meeting, and you're not available, and he or she is not organized, the fact that they know where your work is and they can go find it if you're busy makes things a lot easier for you. Yeah, absolutely. Avoid the emergency of somebody, your boss searching all over the place trying to find you because they have a meeting in two minutes with their boss. Yeah. Okay, now, one of the challenges that directs have with bosses who are distantly located is much less frequent communication, right? They just don't have the opportunity. So what's an appropriate number of times in a in a month or a week to to have contact with your boss yeah in a month or a week yeah once a month i found is a completely appropriate <laughs> i you know it gives you total focus on your work let's let's be honest bosses don't actually do our work we need to have time to do our work so therefore you know once a month send him a note and saying i'm on track with everything I yeah i know you're saying it jokingly but we just talked to somebody the other day who hadn't talked to their boss get this in three months Oh, hadn't gosh. spoken with your boss That's right. in yeah. three months. All right. So, okay. You're trying to be funny, but. <laughs> Since all bosses are good to all directs, it should be no problem because it, that just means tons of work is getting done without boss interference, right? Right. And yeah. I, and, and the boss is assuming that this person is, person is doing a top level work. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. And they'll be reflected in their evaluation. Yeah. I'm yeah. Sure. The way this, the way this, to bring this home to people, imagine your boss is walking down the corridor at headquarters and he runs into his boss and she says to him, hey, how is Joe doing on that project? And your boss replies, I don't know. I haven't heard from him in a week. <laughs> good. That's <laughs> I mean, good. Look, folks, we could ask you the question, do you think that leaves a good impression? Or we can make you, we, we could just be blunt and say, if you think that makes a good impression because you feel like you're not, a, you're not somebody who needs to be managed, I can promise you there's not an executive in the world who doesn't think you just got stabbed in the back. They don't even intend to stab you in the back, but the, the senior executive, she goes, what the hell? I mean, yeah, that's a great thing about bosses, right? They, they, uh, they don't have to try to stab you in the back to stab yeah. you in the back. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably the wrong phrase, but basically if you're not feeling like you, your back is hurting a little bit, then, then you're not politically aware. Now, look, you don't actually have to speak to your boss, but you do need to make contact at least once a day about the things that your boss cares about, what she cares about. Okay. Right. So, so just so you, this is the first time you said it once a day, right? Once, once a, a day. day, whether it's a voicemail, an email, an IM once a day. Okay. Now look, sending in your expense sheet counts, but probably only just barely, because unless your boss is somebody who's always on you about expense accounting, then that's probably not something she cares about too much. If you get her off HR's bad list, okay, great. But the avoidance of pain is not a benefit necessarily for her. Send her something she wants or is interested in. That will be an update on your work or in projects that are related to what she wants you to be working on, assuming that 
maybe you're in a matrix organization, right? And if that's the case in your distance from somebody, a daily communication of some sort, it might in fact be a question asking for guidance on something that is a high priority issue for her. That would be okay. But every single day, there should be some form of communication. Could be phone, could be email. And we have a whole cast on how to figure out whether your boss is a, a listener or a reader. Pay attention to that cast and then use that to your advantage. It may literally be a quick voicemail every day saying, hey, I just want to let you know this happened and this happened today. And we're ahead of schedule on that, but I'm lagging and I'll have a plan for you on that tomorrow. Yeah. And, and folks, so if you haven't heard that podcast on determining whether your boss is a reader or a listener, the person who is a listener is going to react much better to that voicemail than she will to an email. And you want to know that. Yeah. And if you're going to send a, a voicemail to your boss and you're naturally a reader, which would mean that you would normally send an email and an email could be long and have bullet points and so on, but your boss is a listener. You want that voicemail to be short. You want it to be in the form of an executive summary and you might want to have something right up front saying something like, no need to respond, just a quick update. This happened today. I solved it. You'll hear about it next week. Something like that. Mike has told this story before about the, the direct who worked for him. Or was it a skip or a direct, Mike? The guy who left you the 20-minute emails. Uh, direct. Um, direct, yeah. It was a direct who left you 20-minute emails. Just wanted to keep you posted every day. And you got to the point where it's like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to 20 minute voicemail. And so you just started deleting it right away. And you <laughs> yeah. were thrilled that he had the nice motivation. guy I am. Right. Yeah. You were thrilled that he had the motivation, but thrilled that you are, you're not going to spend 20 minutes of your valuable time at the executive level to listen to it. And so you said, look, I, I don't listen to him and probably crushed his soul. And then you said, but here's the answer. I promise you, I'll listen to the executive summary. If you'll give me a 30 second executive summary up front. And then if there's something of value in the executive summary, I'll go ahead and listen to the whole dang thing. And that's what he started doing. And you started listening to the exec executive summaries, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now let's talk about something I think is going to surprise folks because what that is, is no mute on conference calls. And yeah. a lot of people believe that putting the phone on mute is a courtesy to other listeners, right? People walk in the office or make noise or you're... IM goes off or your email, you know, you have the toast and the, the notification that you have new emails going off all the time, literally like every 10 seconds, apparently, according to some folks, right? So you want to spare folks on the conference call, those interruptions. So right. they look at it as a positive, but yeah, no. there's, there's some negatives associated no. with that. No, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> no you, like, now look, we're going to give one group of you an out. If you're in a distant location from your boss, including the next floor up, and you were on a standard work floor in a, an organization, and you believe that using a handset or a headset, folks, don't even go to speakerphone. Oh, don't even get me started about speakerphone. I'm amazed. People push back and say, I can't put it on mute because, because I've got it on speakerphone. Well, why do you have a speakerphone? Well, there's other stuff going on. No, wrong answer. So no speakerphone, okay? But if you're on a handset or if you're on a headset, and if you're on a headset, frankly, I'd be very surprised if it's true, but, but I will, I will defer to your judgment. I will trust your judgment if you tell me that if I'm a handset or handset or headset and there is literally enough background noise in the area around me and I have no ability ever to go to another room that would be quiet. Okay. Then if that happens, 
then okay, we will consider mute as a reasonable alternative because of the background noise and because of the chances that somebody else is on a speakerphone and speakerphones that aren't really, really good don't allow both speaking and listening at the same time. Speaking into a speakerphone mutes the speaker, not the microphone, but the speaker that causes you to hear other people on the phone. That's part of the reason why people hate speakerphone teleconferences because People can't talk at the same time. And talking at the same time is a completely normal managerial behavior. It's a normal organizational behavior. Okay. So if you meet the criteria of you can't get to an office, you can't get to a conference room and close the door for a short period of time, and you can't use a headset or a handset. And by the way, I don't know that many phones in the world that don't have a headset or a handset right? Then, okay, fine, we'll we'll consider mute. But it's rare. I'd be willing to bet that of the number of people who tell me I can't use mute, only 10% of them, if that, are correct. And the reason they want to use mute is they want to be on a speakerphone. And the reason they want to be on a speakerphone is they want to be able to do other things. No, wrong answer, as we'll talk about in a second. But if you have a headset or a handset, I'd be willing to bet 80% of the time that will mute it enough that people will be able to be on the call and your background noise through the headset or the handset will not be so significant as to cause a problem. Okay. Right. So I'm, I'm off my, my soapbox and that wasn't too bad a rant. It's just nah, not too bad. I mean, people want to complain. Look, it's simple guys. We've been doing this for a long, long time. People want to use a speakerphone. Okay. You want to use a speakerphone at your desk. So therefore you use mute. Then we tell you to take it off mute. And you have reasons why you don't want to take it off mute. That's not an issue of mute. That's an issue of the speakerphone. (laughs) So get off the speakerphone and then you probably won't have to use mute. When you're on a conference call, do not have your phone on mute. Turn off the pings that you get on your email and IM. And I got to tell you a story about that. And close down all the windows on your desktop that you don't need for this call. Okay. And look, by the way, when you're, when you're not on mute, we can hear you typing. Okay. And when you're typing, if that's loud enough, whether you have background noise or not, please don't tell us, by the way, that you prefer to take notes uh, um, by typing. I think I just shared that Larry Page, the new Google CEO, has said, no more laptops in meetings. Let's meet and let's actually meet rather than doing email in front of one another in the same room. Right. Well, now you just convince people that they're going to remain on mute, but okay. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Maybe what we ought to say is pay attention to the damn call. Yeah, that would you know, be the point, right? Yeah, that would be the whole point, right? That's the underlying. Well, thing. that's that, that is the point, because what happens is people are mute. Then somebody asks them a question. Hey, Bob, what do you think about X? And it's like five or six or seven seconds. And all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. What was that question? Yeah, yeah. Again? <laughs> like, OK, no, you weren't yeah. paying attention, right? We know yeah, that. Until, until, oh, I was on mute. Oh, come on, guys. I'm yeah, sorry. Really? We've been in thousands of these meetings. You weren't on mute. You weren't on mute. You weren't focused on that call. And in fact, somebody said, what do you think? And everybody knew they meant Bob, but because they didn't say your name, you didn't hear it because you were tuned out. Because folks, multitasking is a big, fat, ugly lie. You cannot do two things at once uh, unless one of the things you're doing is absolutely trivial in importance, like brushing your teeth or tying your shoes. You can't do two things at once. Email is one of the most cognitively intensive things that professionals do today. Phone calls are as well. 
You've all been on a phone call with one other person where suddenly you feel like the flow of the conversation is interrupted and the other person isn't behaving the way they have been. And then they admit 10 seconds later, oh, sorry, I got interrupted. Somebody showed me a piece of paper, but they weren't willing to say, could you hold on a moment? I need to check something and I'll be right back with you, which everyone would wish for. But no, no, no. People act as if uh, they can do two things at once and no one else notices. Well, folks, our sensitivity to vocal communication is very high. Any inattention that you're showing is absolutely visible and knowable to everybody else. And, and the, and the story I've got to tell about IM is the time that I was on a conference call with you, Mike, and I've convinced people in the organization, no more mute button, but I hadn't told them the other half, which is that means you need to manage the sounds that your office makes. And somebody said something really, really dumb. <laughs> And all of a sudden, there was a chorus in the background on everyone's unmuted handsets of ding, 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 right, of exactly. the IMs going around. And you knew what the IMs were saying, which is, can you believe he just said that? So look, the, the fact is, folks, if you're on a conference call and you're not muted, you can't be doing IM unless you muted on your computer. And, and even then, probably your typing is going gonna, is gonna to show. Now, yeah, I know, folks, you're, you're thumb typing on your PDA, on your smartphone, on your iPhone, on your BlackBerry, on your Android, whatever. That doesn't make noise. And I know that you'll transition to that. But we're just trying to tell you what the most effective standard is. And if you hate meetings... Probably if you're doing some of this stuff, you're the cause of it. Let's make it clear here why this is so bad. If you're located remotely from your boss, there's just so many cues she has in terms of evaluating your performance and whether you're engaged or not and whether you're doing the things that you should be doing. We talked about calendars and contact, you know, having at least some communication every day with them. And your meeting behavior is one of those things, right? And whether they think about it consciously or not, they are making judgments Every single time they participate with you on a call. And if you're slow to answer or you seem in any way, shape or form disengaged, they're going to remember that. And they're going to make conclusions about how well you're performing based on that. So given that you have so few opportunities compared to somebody who's there locally, right? You have so few opportunities to make an impression. Meeting behavior is important. Take the opportunity to send a message of professionalism and engagement, right? Yeah. It's easier for you to concentrate and for you to be properly part of the call if you don't have distracting information in front of you. Okay. And it's true of any call, right? Minimize the distractions in order that you can be properly part of the call. If you're not on a webcam, I've recommended this to thousands of people, probably tens of thousands now. Close your eyes. If you're not on a webcam, close your eyes, close that screen down in front of you and try to picture the office that everybody else is in and be thinking about who's saying what. I'm actually able on a big sheet of paper to take notes even when my eyes are closed. Because if I open my eyes, because 70% of the data that comes into our brains every day comes through visual information. If I open my eyes, I'm surrounded by partially written casts and, and emails and everything else. I've gotten in the habit for a long time. It wasn't this way, but I've since gotten in the habit on my, when I'm recording here at my desk, uh, as I am today, lucky me to be home. Um, I have got to black out to, to put my, my screen on screensaver. Otherwise, there's stuff in front of me and it distracts me. You know, it's like the movie Up, Squirrel. Yeah, exactly. And that'll allow you to listen properly and you'll be perceived as present. And that will make you, that will give you as many opportunities or it will give you as much opportunity as you can to be uh, perceived as uh, involved, as engaged. And, and if you're distant and you're not engaged, that's bad. Exactly. Okay, so our next point, I'm confused a little bit. The the point is give frequent updates. Well, I mean, 
if I made my work available on some shared drive somewhere, right? Let's say we have some web-based system where I put my updates in, right? And my boss can see whether I'm clocked in or not. Um, they can see my calendar. And say I have IM as well, although we're mixed feelings about IM. But in any case, I, I'm available on IM. Isn't that enough? I mean, I mean, really? No, I mean, how much not. information do I need? We to wish it boss? was. And it took me a couple of years working with distant offices, particularly in matrix organizations, technical organizations, to see this. Between all the stuff that you're doing, it might be hard for your boss to miss that you're doing everything. But let me just say it again. Your work being available, your updates being on a web-based system, you clocking in and out, uh, registering on the system, your IM being on is not enough. It's not enough to passively provide the information and assume your boss is going to see it. If you rely on him looking at the systems and making the right assumptions about the quality and standards of your work, you're missing something. He's not. She's not. You need to make the effort. You need to initiate the communication. Working remotely, whether you work from home or in another office, is harder in terms of this part of your work. Even if you're just across campus, anyone who doesn't sit in direct proximity to their boss, who wants the kind of career progression we want you to have, has to work harder at making sure their boss knows about the quality and quantity of their work. A weekly update mail, here's what I worked on, here are my issues, and so on. That, in addition to your weekly update report is absolutely encouraged. When you are co-located with your boss, getting time to sit down and talk about things and being proactive and asking questions, all of these things are good and you will be much better off than most people, but you've got to be willing to give frequent updates about things. And this really goes closely with accomplishing tasks by, by deadlines, point seven. If something has been done, but it's not been specifically communicated to your boss, it doesn't mean your boss knows. In fact, you should assume your boss doesn't know. Now, we're not suggesting you send 50 emails for 50 different small tasks that you got done. But on the other hand, a daily mail saying, hey, I had six deliverables today. I met all six of them. Here's where we are. Here's where I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking about for the rest of the week. That's the kind of thing that is proactive rather than just saying, I know my boss is checking the web-based system and I'm on track on everything. Okay. And in fact, if there are 10 people working for the boss, the boss doesn't ever read the deliverables based on who owns them. In fact, most web-based systems, the boss is going to look at the overall project status and not drill down, even if it's available, and it not always is, which tasks are assigned to whom. Some web-based tracking systems don't have that. If it does, that doesn't mean your boss is going to click on it. And if there's a whole lot of green on there and five reds and your boss never clicks, or let's say there's a whole lot of red and only five greens. But if your boss were to click, he would discover that you're the one responsible for the five greens and everybody else is responsible for the reds. You can assume that he should. You could wish that he should. You hope that he should. You think he should. And he won't. And he doesn't know. And so you've got to be more proactive and figure out for your boss how you're going to make sure that he knows. And be willing to tell him if you're the Reds, if you've got the stuff up there that's behind schedule. It's better for him to know than for him to think you're hiding it. Right. Yeah. Don't make her understanding of where you are and what you've accomplished a matter of chance. Right. Don't trust right. it a chance. Make sure she knows. Good. Okay. So let's talk about our next one. Accomplished one. tasks right. by deadlines. Uh, now... Why is that so important? That seems like I'm pretty sorry. obvious, right? <laughs> what what part of that makes sense? That or what part of that couldn't make sense? Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so simple. But this, folks, this is a huge issue. We've learned that when it comes to virtual or distant teams, listen carefully now. Task accomplishment reliability or task reliability in general takes a much bigger role in the development of trust on the team than it does in normal teams. 
If you want to be perceived as effective and trustworthy from a distance, you must have a much higher deadline and task accomplishment record than you normally would. In normal teams, face-to-face interaction and frequent communications, they serve as proxies for your reliability. Even if you're late, you get this sense from people who you work closely with of, oh, well, I like him, so I understand he's late. That happens quite frequently, right? Our emotional attachment to people lets us give them a pass on the unemotional are they late or not, which is which is not emotional at all. It's a logical equation. Is it done and is it before the due date? Or is it after the due date and is it done, right? But if I don't know you well, it's harder for me to trust you. So now everything you say you're going to do and then you don't do, because of course, if you own a task, you've said you're going to do it, right? Anything you don't do, where you're, which you're responsible for and therefore you've said you're going to do by not challenging that you're going to do it, you're not doing it directly reduces my trust in you. That plays a much bigger role. Your ability to deliver things on time and, and to the quality standard is enormously more important in virtual teams and distant teams than it is in face-to-face team. So our recommendation is to particularly pay close attention to the things you're responsible for and your deadlines, okay? You've got to be reliable about meeting deadlines. Now, look, the communications we've recommended above are going to help you build as much trust as you can from a distance and make it appear that you're as transparent as possible. So you're open to feedback about meeting and not meeting deadlines. But much of that will be lost if you think you can get away with some slips and misses because you feel like you're building trust enough, enough so that you're, it's as if you're in the office with somebody else, your boss, which you're not. Now, and look, I'm going to go a step further here. I'm probably going to irritate some people. <laughs> For those of you who, who feel like you like the freedom of being distant, it's been my experience that you are also likely to want to set your own goals. And you're more willing than most people to have some disdain for the details of the day-to-day life. And if you think, yeah, I've got a few things to get done this week in this particular project. And as long as you get them done by Friday, because we're still months away from the end date, then, then, ah, that's probably okay. I got three days this week to really focus without any attention from my boss. Cause I know he's traveling. I got three days to really, really grind on this special project I've been working on that only a couple people know about, or maybe the team knows about, but it's what's important to me. And so therefore I'm going to deliver on all these tasks. I'm going to really make sure that I not only deliver on those tasks, but they're really high quality. And if I let my stuff slip for this week, it's okay because it's okay because what's important is what I think is important. Unfortunately, that sense of not being upset about those tasks you owe to the team increases the chances you're going to miss a deadline and it's dangerous. Even if you're working on something important, you are at the same time you're working on something important, which may or may not turn out to be important. You are destroying the trust gradually that you've that you've worked hard hopefully to build up with your team members and your boss okay so don't let task reliability slip because you're distant and you think it'll be okay because your distance gives you a chance to focus in ways that people at headquarters can't because what you're doing is destroying trust much at a much greater rate than you realize you think it's okay the people who you work with don't like it if you're out of sight and out of mind and you're behind on task it really irritates people and uh, you go one step forward and two steps back when it comes to that look i'll go further if you're somebody who has a messy workspace at home in part because you probably would have a little bit of a messy workplace at work, but it's your house and you know you have a smaller house than you want. And Maybe you're in an office somewhere and you're away from your boss. If you've got a messy workspace, beware. 
you're likely in our experience to be somebody who isn't as concerned with details like tasks. You think as long as you feel good about a project, as long as you feel you have time to deliver something and and you realize that probably they can wait a little bit and they're behind too, it'll be okay. It may be okay for the project, but it's not okay for your relationship with your boss and the relationship with the team. Think about it. Those big ideas you're working on or that you're thinking about, or you think this particular task is not a big idea. So it's easy to dismiss some task as not being a big idea. You may be right. A task is not a big idea, but what are big ideas, but ideas that have to be turned into projects that have to be worked on. And those projects that have to be worked on are going to have tasks that are going to be assigned to various people. If you're a high eye like I am, beware. You're going to let deadlines pass, but trust that everybody knows you and everybody likes you and everybody believes in you. And then you're going to wonder why they don't actually trust you. They don't actually like you. They don't actually like working with you. And it's because you've been letting deadlines slip because you don't think they're that important. So make sure you pay special attention to the commitments and deadlines that you own when you're working from a distance. Task reliability takes a much bigger role in trust development when you're distant. Somebody who can be counted on to be deliver is a good thing. If you can become somebody you can be counted on, who can be counted on, you'll be trusted. Absolutely. A small thing that sounds pretty obvious, yeah. but yeah. And a small and it's a small thing for many people, but it's a particularly small thing for high eyes, in my experience. They don't get excited about tasks. They get excited about the big idea, but they don't get excited about tasks. And and it's true for high D's as well, but for different reasons. So be careful, folks. It strikes me that the advantages of a high a natural high eye, somebody who's outgoing, talkative, et cetera, right? The advantages that person has with a boss who is located close to them, i.e. is willing to yes. communicate more than, say, a, a high C, a, high, a, a detailed, more reserved person, it works against them when they're located uh, remotely from their boss. Yeah, yeah. So wrapping up, we recommend several things you can do to be more effective when you're distant as a direct. Do phone boss one-on-ones, which essentially are periodic updates, weekly updates, Give every evidence you're available so people know they can get you. Make your work available. Don't hide it on your laptop. Make contact at least once a day in a way that works for your boss. Don't be muting conference calls. Be present. Be aware. Minimize all those windows and focus. That will increase the chances that you're trusted. You've got to give frequent updates and proactive about them, uh, more frequent than other people are used to doing. And lastly, you've got to pay attention to meeting tasks and deadlines. That's a huge part of trust building on teams and, and, of course, with your boss as well. Folks, look, careers don't just happen. If you want the kind of career that the people you admire have, it's hard work. Okay, Part of that is making sure your boss knows how good you are. And when your boss is distant, it's harder for you than it is for other people. It's not fair, but it is human. And we've got to take those things in consideration. And these steps we've recommended today are the kind of things that will get you on the right path. Excellent. All right, my friend. Thanks. Thanks, partner. All right. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this topic. We'll have a new one next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long. 